Thank you, Janet. Wayne. <clears throat> You've heard me uh, quote. Is my mic on? Can you hear me? Okay. It's very important you can hear me. You struggle with staying awake when you can hear me. If you can't hear me, it would be really bad. Charles Swindoll is a, an author, a preacher that I have referenced several times uh, in the last years. Swindoll is a prolific writer. He's had a great career in academia as well as uh, pastoring. And in a book last year, he wrote an interesting thing about the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. He said when he graduated from seminary, graduate school for preachers many, many years ago, that he felt like he understood the Holy Spirit. He felt like he understood God and how God worked in the presence of God. But, but he said after pastoring for four decades, after being a seminary president at Dallas Theological Seminary for 10 years, writing 60 or 70 books, he said, I'm now realizing I'm beginning to scratch the surface on what it's like to experience the presence of God. And this man who has to be in his 70s, again, a very well-accomplished spiritual leader, said, I long for and I crave more and more to experience the presence of God. Isn't that a wonderful uh, admission? I hope this evening, uh, I hope all of us, way beyond this evening, desire to experience the manifest presence of God. Remember, God is present everywhere. The Bible tells us that God is everywhere. We believe that by faith. We trust that by faith. But occasionally, from time to time in the Bible, we see where God makes himself known in a supernatural, special way, and tremendous things happen. And that is something I hope that you and I long for in our lives. We're in a great story in Exodus 3 this evening. Exodus 3, where Moses about his daily business, has a tremendous God manifestation moment uh, in his life. And it's given to us not as a, just a history lesson, but also to point to us how God does work. Here's the first thought this evening. God manifests himself in unexpected places. God manifests himself sometimes in places that we are not looking for God to make himself known. In verses 1 through 5, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. You notice he wasn't even tending his own flock. He was tending somebody else's flock. His father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him. In flames of fire from within a bush, Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. In verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. You get that? God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, and Moses said, God, here I am. Do not come any closer God said, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Now, Moses is an 80-year-old dude at this time. He had been to his kit in his, uh, his area, his senior adult luncheon and meeting about two days ago, and now he's out leading uh, the, his father's, uh, father-in-law's sheep. 
He, in in the, the, the force of the text is he's doing what he normally would be doing. He's doing his daily job. It says he comes to the mountain of God. Now, a lot of uh, scholars believe he's writing that back in retrospect, calling it the mountain of God from what he experienced there. Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai are synonymous. You hear Sinai mention, Horeb mention. And he is doing this. He's just doing what he normally does, where he normally does things. And in the midst of all this normalcy of life, God appears. It's interesting, if you notice when I read a moment ago, it says, and the angel of the Lord, and then in about another verse or two, it says God himself. Often what you see in the Bible, when the presence of God is manifest, it will say sometimes the angel of the Lord, but we see it move from an angel of the Lord to God himself speaking and making himself known. Significant for a thousand reasons. One is God had not made himself known, manifest himself to anybody, at least in recorded history, for 400 years since he had to Jacob back generations ago. And now he appears to Moses. And what a tremendous thing. Moses is on the backside of the desert. And here God shows up. Was Moses looking for God to show up? I don't think so. But God showed up. I want to ask you this evening. Are we looking for God to make himself known in our lives? Are we looking for, whoop, my mic fell. The devil just manifested himself in my life. (laughs) Pardon me. Are we looking for God to make himself known? Are we looking for God to manifest himself in special and unique ways in our lives? You know, I don't think that this is preacher talk here, but the place that we ought to expect God to show up more than any other place is when we are alone with God in Bible study and prayer and in our church house. But I want to tell you, I believe this is the truth. There's a whole lot of churches that if God showed up, it would be just as unexpected as it was that day in the desert. I don't think that's true here. I think it's true a lot of places. I want to ask you today, are you looking for God? Are you praying for God to make himself known? When you're having your Bible study, when you're having your prayer time, when we come to church, listen, I want to tell you, you and I get from church basically what we're expecting to get. Did you know that? If you come crabby, you come... This is going to be bad. This is going to be boring. The music, the sermon, double the. You know what? You're going to leave blood, aren't you? I, I, I can speak for Wayne. I can speak for myself. I can speak for your other ministers. We're sincerely trying to bring the presence of God into this place. Let's expect that to happen. Let's don't, be for, let, let's don't let First Baptist be the far side of the desert. That when God shows up, it's a freak event. Look for God to make himself known to you in your Bible study time, in our song service, in our preaching, 
and our invitation. And even look for God and expect God to sometimes show up in the unexpected places of your life. Here's the second thing. Sometimes God shows up in unexpected ways. In unexpected ways. I think that's one of the things Swindoll said is that he felt like as a young ministerial student with a master's degree in theology, he had God figured out. He knew how God would show up, where God would show up, when he would show up. God doesn't work on our our schedule like that, does he? He he doesn't. If you look in verse 3 and 4, it says, So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why this bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here I am. I heard a great story this week of a a guy named Alan. He was trying to get this girl. Guys, listen to this, you teenagers, you singles guys. He was trying to get his girlfriend, Jill Ann, to marry him. They were both devout Christians. She didn't want to get married. And she said, she let it be known to several people, I will not get married unless I hear God from a bush telling me to get married. Alan heard that. He went and hid on the college campus where they were going behind a big bush. She came walking by one day, and he said, Jill Ann, marry Alan. A few weeks later, they were engaged. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But this was not an epiphany from a college student or a dramatic act done. This was God himself. Unexpected ways in an unexpected place. Now, what, uh, what was this bush? Was this some uh, very spiritual Baptist bush or Pentecostal bush? No, this was a common bush. And in fact, in this part of the world, in the desert, it was not even uncommon for bushes to internally combust, just to go up. Moses had probably seen that a thousand times in the 40 years he'd walked around going, why did I kill that Egyptian? Why did I kill that Egyptian? But this time something was different, wasn't it? The bush caught on fire, seen that a thousand times. But what happened? The bush did not burn up. And God spoke to Moses through a common bush in a common place, unexpected place in an unexpected way. Again, I want to ask you, are you expecting God to show up? Now, folks, God speaks to us through the Bible. God will never speak to you outside of the Bible in a way that's against the Bible, okay? Oftentimes, I've heard so many times, God told me, God told me, God told me. When God hadn't told that person anything because it's mean, it's self-centered, it's, it's self-purposed, God never speaks contrary to his word. He wrote it. Why would he contradict it? Okay? That wouldn't make sense. But God also speaks through the Holy Spirit. God speaks through other people. If God speaks to you through a bush, which he can do, make sure it's not against the Bible or it won't be the God of the Bible speaking. Here's the problem we have, guys. And I think we all have this. Once we've been in church very long, we get God in a box. Okay? How many of you agree with that? We have a Baptist God, don't we? Methodists have a Methodist God. Charismatics have a charismatic God. And their God and our God are different in some ways. You ever notice that? 
We have a contemporary God. More groovy. And we have a traditional God who wears a robe and speaks with a deep baritone voice. God's not in any of that. Folks, one of the most important things we can do is take our boxes of God and break them in two because he doesn't fit in them. Turn him loose. Am I saying you're going to walk out in your pasture tomorrow and a bush is going to catch on fire and not burn up and God's going to be in it? Probably not. I said probably. I didn't say it wasn't. But get God out of your boxes. I'm afraid many of us, if that bush would have caught on fire when we'd have been out there, we would have gone back, we would have had a debate, we would have argued about it, we would have missed the whole thing altogether. Let's don't miss God. Get God out of your boxes. God makes himself known in unexpected ways, in unexpected places. How many of us really want God to show up? Then let him show up on his terms. Here's the third thing. Man, where God shows up, it's a place of reverence. It's a place of reverence. Now, this is real important we understand this because we miss this on on a lot of sides of the equation too, I'm afraid. It's a place of reverence. In verse 5 and 6, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals. For the place where you are standing is holy ground. Young people, if you want to wear sandals and your your parents say you shouldn't, say, look, it's biblical. It's biblical. Moses wore sandals. Verse 6, then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Listen, a common bush and a common place when God shows up becomes holy ground. It's interesting, the first place in the Bible the word holy shows up is here. First place it's found in the Bible is here. Taking your shoes off, in in the Asian culture, even today it's a sign of reverence and respect, but back in Moses' day, it was the one way you worshipped. You took your shoes off. I would be offended if most people took their shoes off as we worshipped, and probably you would be too. But it was, a, it was a, a custom of this era and this time. You took your shoes off when you came to worship God. Slaves, interestingly enough, also went barefoot. You remember when the prodigal son came home, one of the first things daddy told him was get him some shoes because the slaves went barefoot and this was son. Moses comes into the presence of God. Part of the reverence of taking off the shoes was an act of worship, but it was also the act of submission. We've got reverence all mixed up. Reverence is tied in with attitude, we're going to see more in a moment, than it is anything else, and submissiveness. And verse 4, Moses says, When the Lord said to him, saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And he answered, Here I am. Let me tell you what that Hebrew phrase, Here I am, means. It's a powerful phrase. It was Moses not just saying, yo, yo, it's me, God, I'm here. Moses, yep. It's not what he was saying. When Moses said, here I am to God, he was literally saying to him, search me, God. Know me, God. 
I'm open to you. I'm exposing myself, my heart, my motives, my very being to you. Let me give you a couple of thoughts. One, if God is everywhere, in a true sense, every place is holy ground, correct? You ever thought about that? If God is everywhere, isn't everywhere holy ground? And if you and I expect to experience the manifest presence of God, our attitudes and our hearts have got to be different. Folks, reverence is not a suit and a tie. It's not a dress. It's not a cool contemporary outfit. Christians ought to dress appropriately and modestly. But reverence isn't about what you wear. Reverence isn't about what you sing. Reverence isn't about being serious. I know a lot of people who are serious and uptight. They're going to bust hell wide open. You can be serious and be lost. Reverence is about humility. It's about showing honor. We getting this? See, I, I have, I've been in a lot of different churches. I've been in very traditional churches that were very, I mean, prim and proper. And, buddy, when there wasn't prim and proper, they looked down upon that. I've been in just the opposite, very contemporary churches that if you weren't grooving the way they wanted you to groove during the service, you weren't holy. Reverence is about attitude, guys. You want God to show up in our lives and our church? We don't strut into the presence of God. We don't have our nose up in the presence of God. When Moses took his shoes off, when he covered his face and when he said, God, here I am, search me and know me, God would, he was laying himself bare. That's what reverence is. God shows up. It brings reverence, but God won't show up without reverence. Do you get that? Man, I want God to make himself known in our church. I want him to make himself known in my life and in your life. But sadly, that depends more on us than it does on God. Because if our hearts are haughty, and we're arrogant. Listen, part of the Christian culture today, we're going a wrong direction. We have confused godliness with head knowledge. Man, oh man. I think it's 1 Corinthians 10.1. Maybe it's 9.1. It says, love builds up, but knowledge puffs up. Moses wouldn't have won a Bible, a trivia contest. But Moses' heart was right. We want God to show up. We need reverence in our hearts and our attitudes and in our churches. When God's presence is there, so is reverence. Here's the fourth thing. God makes himself known to help us experience him more. You see, one of the things God wants you to do and wants me to do is to know him and to experience him more. And when God showed up for Moses in verse 4, it says, when he saw, he saw the Lord, that he had gone over to look, God, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am now. Here's one thing that's cool. God didn't have to ask Moses his name, did he? You ever thought about that? I want you to see a cute little video uh, about Moses. And little children. 
Who's Moses? Well, I don't really know the whole thing. Moses um, obeyed God when he, he talked to God, which was in a burning bush. He sent his voice down into a burning bush. It just didn't burn. It wouldn't burn. So Moses knew that it was some holy bush. He lifted up his staff and he and God parted the Red Sea so that the Israelites could go through. By the power of God, it helped. He helped him do that when he said, "Throw down your staff, stab your staff." It was it included his staff a lot. I'll tell you that. Now, thank God, God knew who Moses was, didn't he? Now, I want you to think about this. God knows who you are, too. God speaks English. Do you know that? God's more multilingual than Google. And when God showed up, in an unexpected place, in an unexpected way, I think it's so neat. He called out to him, Moses, Moses, by name, in a voice, in a language that he could understand. And he wanted Moses to see and to experience more and more who God was. In verse 6 and 7, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. In verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out. He's identifying himself not only with Moses, his, his relatives, but his people. Now, I love verse 13 and 14. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell him? And this is one of the great verses to me in the Old Testament. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. What did that mean? Besides sounding cool, what does that mean? The Egyptians had many, many gods with a small g. God said, listen, there may be many that profess to be gods, but you tell them God has spoken to you. I am was a verb that meant I am, I have been, I am, I will be. I am from the beginning, I am everlasting, I am from the end, and I am the middle. God was saying, I am the man who was, who is, and will be. That's who you tell them sent me to you. That's profound. Wow. Moses knew a little bit more about bushes and sheep. He knew a whole lot more about God. I want to tell you this evening. Are you looking for God to reveal himself to you? Again, not more facts just about God, but do you really want to know God? Do you really want to understand God more? God does not make himself known for frivolous reasons. Hey, I'm kind of bored. I think I'll just show up in Ruston tonight. Our Zach needs a good shock. I'll show up in, in his barber shop today. 
God shows up for purpose. One of those purposes is that we can know him better, not just academically, but experientially. When I started dating Cindy, I didn't know much about her. As I spent more time around her, I, I, I could answer more facts about her, but I began, and I wanted to, to know her more personally and on a deeper level. She didn't desire the same for me, but I did from her. It was a prearranged marriage by our parents, so. (laughs) Folks, what a neat thing to think the God of the universe, the God of all creation, wants to make himself known to you and me, to our church. He wants us to understand him more, to experience him more, deeper and deeper in more profound ways. And here's the fifth thing. God manifests himself to give us a vision or a task. Now, again, I I think, honestly, we may not want this. By the way, neither did the hero of our story. In verse 7 through 10, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. Moses is saying, yes. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering. Moses is saying, yes. So I've come down to rescue them, Moses excited, from the hand of the Egyptian to bring them up out of the land into the good, spacious land. Then he goes in through all the ites, Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites. You get the ite picture there. The cry of Israelites have reached me. I have seen how the Egyptians are oppressing them. And verse 10, now you go and you deliver them from the most powerful kingdom, from the most powerful king in the world. And that's when Moses went... It was exciting up to this point. Folks, now, I'm a highly trained professional. I know things about the Bible. We learn them in seminary that the commoner just doesn't learn. Did you know Moses was a Baptist? You're saying, it's a seminary thing we learned. Read chapter 3 and 4, and as you see Moses argue with God, you have to understand he was a Baptist. Okay, you don't know the story. Let's say you don't. God says, I have chosen you. I have manifest myself to you to make you a hero of all time. You're going to go back. I'm going to work through you. Here's your vision. It is going to be tremendous, your task. You're going to free your Jewish relatives from the bondage of slavery. Let's go get them. And Moses was going, oh, no, God, not me. You see, God reveals himself to us so we'll be different after the revelation. You want to know why God's not making himself known in a lot of of our lives? We don't want to hear what God's got to say. Plain and simple. You know why God doesn't reveal himself in a lot of churches? We don't want to hear what he's got to say. You see, there's no way we can have an an encounter with the manifest presence of God and leave the same. Did you get that? There's no way we can have a presence with a manifest, experienced presence of God and be the same. And many of us would rather just stay in our comfort zone 
and scratch a little bit of God every now and then, then experience his fullness. Thank God Moses said eventually, I'll go do it. I thought about this this week and I thought about this afternoon. I, I think one of the reasons we don't experience him is he knows that we're not going to do what he asks us to do. Are you and I worth God wasting his time and our time on by him manifesting himself to us? Well, wait a second, God, I have this box and what you're asking doesn't fit in the box and and it it doesn't go with my life and what I want. God is such a gentleman, he's going to say, okay. But God, we want you to make yourself known in our church. We're asking for your presence. We're asking for your power. And, And I think Lee Thomas says this in his book, God does not loan his power. God's power comes with his presence and his presence comes with a price. Obedience, reverence, humility. But then many of our churches in our world today, God's probably not going to show up because he knows our answer before he arrives. It's invitation time. Man, I challenge us tonight to say to God, God, in my life you can have your way. Will you say that to him? Christian, will you say that to him? God, you can have your way in my life. God, show up. God, I got to get off my high horse because you're not going to show up when I'm riding high. You're going to show up when my face is on the ground. God, I'm willing to do it. Christian, will you do it? Will you say, God, show up in whatever you want me to do and to be, I'll do it. Church family, will we say it together tonight? God, show up. And whatever you want to happen here, we know it's far greater than we can imagine. Even though it's going to bust our comfort zones, it's going to change things, God, show up. If you're looking to join a church tonight and you want to join a church, I believe that wants God to show up, come join us this evening. You're not a Christian, you're unsure of that, you come give your life to Christ. This is holy ground. Let's choose to respond to it that way. Let's stand. As Wayne leads us, let's respond as we should.